if you had placed your hope in someone to accomplish something grand that was really important to you, and you thought that, that they had died and were no longer going to be able to accomplish that, how would you feel? And then how would you feel if they showed up and actually had done, already accomplished, what you hoped they would have done? How would you then feel? Let's talk about that on this episode of the Phil Files Christian Edition. Hey, welcome to the Phil Files Christian Edition for the week of April 23rd, 2023. It is the third Sunday after Easter. And today we're going to look at a, a wonderful passage from Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. It's the Emmaus Road passage. So, um, this is a beautiful story. And, uh, so let's talk about it for a moment. So you have um, you have two people walking to Emmaus, which the text says um, is about seven miles from Jerusalem. Depending on how how you understand the 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 city of Emmaus, uh, that could have been three and a half miles there, three and a half miles back. It could be round trip. Um, and, and that's likely, according to Daryl Block or Daryl Bach, um, the the best way to understand this passage. <clears throat> it's just really hard to nail down where that was um, in 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 Jewish history. So they're walking to Emmaus, and they're talking about the events of the past couple of days, which would have involved the crucifixion. Um, the the resurrection and and the resurrection from the, the position of um, uh, Mary and Mar uh, the the Marys and uh, going to the tomb coming back and telling the disciples that Jesus was alive and and um, so that um, that happens and then uh, they're they're having a, a pretty emotional conversation. Uh, the way the uh, the text reads that the, it's, they, they were talking with each other, and the the underlying context of the language here is that they were talking uh, emotionally about it. So there was a very not necessarily a heated discussion, but a search, essentially a, an emotional discussion uh, where they're both feeling the pain of the other. And so while they're walking and discussing. Jesus catches up to them. Uh, the New Revised Standard says Jesus came near and went with them. The, the, the language uh, really is um, Jesus kind of caught up to them. He, he shows up. He's walking with them now. And the, verse 16 gives us some very important uh, clues to the text and and the whole story in general, it says that their eyes were kept from recognizing him. That's a divine passive. Um, the, the the language there is in in the divine passive, and and it essentially means that God 
kept them from recognizing him, or maybe, or maybe Jesus kept them from recognizing him. Uh, someone outside of themselves kept them from recognizing who was walking with them. And so he asked them, he just says, hey, what are you discussing with each other while you're walking along? And the reaction is, is dramatic. They, they stood still. In other words, they stopped. It's like they, you know, in, in the movies, when someone says something really crazy, and everybody just, while they're walking, and everybody just stops and looks at the guy, or looks at the person, like, who are you and where have you been? And that's, that's kind of the reaction that these two men, or these, yeah, these two, um, two people had as they were, as Jesus asked them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They just stopped. They literally could go no further. And the, the text describes them as looking sad, like, and it, and it could be that they were sad that this person doesn't understand, or it's sad that they're going to have to recount the story of the past couple of days. One of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered Jesus and said, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place in these days? Like, where have you been? Who are you? You know, everybody knew the story. Everybody that was in Jerusalem about that time, it seems to indicate, knew the story or knew what had happened or had at least understood the, the involvement of Rome and the high priests and the Sanhedrin and and all of those who made who 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 made the crucifixion a reality. But they kind of look at him like, who who are you and where have you been? How do you not know this? I mean, it appears you're coming from Jerusalem. How do you not know what's been going on? The, the past couple of days, the chatter is is very real. And then in verse 19, Luke 24, 13 through 35, this Emmaus story, in verse 19, Jesus asked them, what do you mean? What things? Now, uh, I wrote down a couple of things here. Jesus there's three things that that could be at play here, or they all could be at play. First, he kind of plays dumb. Like, like I don't know what you're talking about. And I think he does that maybe for two reasons. I said three, two reasons. One, I think he wants to help them process what they experienced. You know, uh, sometimes we have to talk about it out loud to someone who really doesn't know. When you, you know, the, one of the one of the best ways to learn is to teach, because then you have to you have to prepare, you have to 
If questions come your way, you know, you have to pause and think. The best way to learn is to teach. I was told that years ago, and I honestly believe that's that's true. So I think I think he wants to help them process what they've experienced in a different way. And say, I think he wants to know, I think part of it may be, you know, he wants to know what they're really thinking. How, how are they really processing? Not, not just help them to process, but to understand how they have processed what has gone on. And so, so when Jesus asks them what things, this is kind of the story that, that he's, he's, he's going for here. And so they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Now, Jesus was a prophet. I think that I think that this understanding of Jesus is something that we ought to take into account in this story. They they have not yet seen him as savior. They hoped he might be. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But but in their description of Jesus to Jesus, they simply said he was he was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all people. And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and to crucif- and crucified him. In other words, uh, they're talking about how the chief priests and leaders essentially sold Jesus out. They handed him over. And the kind of the understanding there is, is that the Romans had to do this. So they handed him over to the Romans to be condemned to death and to crucify him. Here's where he gets good. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. So he was the one to redeem Israel. And you tie that into the prophetic language. The... Um, the, the idea here is that they saw Jesus as a Moses-type figure. One who would lead the new exodus, lead, the, the new, um, lead them into the, not necessarily into a new promised land, but essentially lead them to be their leader, to be their prophet, to be their uh, redeemer. And, and the language actually flows into um, uh, the same as Acts 7. When Stephen uh, was, being, was being stoned in Acts 7, Jesus, uh, Stephen uses very similar language, very similar words, very similar uh, expressions. And, um, and so they... they in talking about Moses. So they see Jesus, or they saw Jesus, in this Moses-type figure who would, who simply, 
essentially redeem them, lead them out, be their new liberator. And and uh, so we'd hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. And that third day um, is important as well because the, the third day goes back to Jesus saying, um, in three days I'll rebuild the temple. Remember him saying that? Three days, three days. Jesus used three days quite a bit. So it's a, it's a harken back to some of those languages. Like they were hoping that after the third day, or on the third day, that Jesus indeed would be the Redeemer, the prophet that they had hoped he would be. But it, in their mind, it didn't happen. And then he talks about the women. The, the women, um, the, the women that went to the tomb, that saw an empty tomb, that met Jesus in the garden, as a gardener, excuse me, not in the garden, but as a garden, as a gardener, and he, he spoke with Mary and said, go tell my disciples. And so the women ran back. And the, these two men that were talking with Jesus said, they astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning and they did not find his body there. And they came back and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. A vision of angels. Not, not angels, but a vision of angels. And maybe it was the same thing. Or, or maybe it was them being dismissive of the women. Either way, they were with the disciples or in the upper room when the women came back telling the story that Jesus, they had met Jesus, and that he was alive. Uh, and so, then they recalled the story of, of Peter and John running, running to the tomb, and they found it just like the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus So they, they told that whole um, sunrise, first light of the morning sequence of events when the ladies went to the tomb. Uh, they saw the, the angels who said, he is not here, he is risen. They met Jesus first in the form of a gardener, and then they, they realized Mary. They, they realized who he was, and then they went and they told the disciples, Two disciples, Peter and John, ran back, found everything just like the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. And I'm sure there was that sense of doubt. And when they came back and said, well, we saw, the, we saw everything like the lady said, but we didn't see Jesus. The people in that other room, upper room, 
it must have been like they had gotten their hopes up and once again they were disappointed. That three day three day thing, you know, uh, it was it was it was a, a, a hearkening back to the to when Jesus said on the third day I'll rebuild my my kingdom. I'll be like Jonah. He was in the well for three days. The other thing about the three days, you know, in Jew, Jewish culture, that you weren't you weren't really dead until it had been three days, which is why Jesus waited until four days to go raise Lazarus from the grave. And so at the three-day mark, they they knew he, he wasn't coming back. He was dead, dead. Or at least somebody had taken his body. And so they're sad. They were sad. They got their hopes up. Now they're sad again. And they, it's like they've lost hope. And because they have. In verse 25, Jesus begins this process of of correcting them and helping them understand their ignorance. It, It wasn't just them who were ignorant. It was everybody missed this part. He said to them in verse 25, Oh, how foolish you are. Not that they were dumb or moronic, just ignorant, just missing it. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. We don't, we don't get a picture of, of Jesus using one particular passage of the Old Testament. Jesus begins with Moses and all the prophets, and he interpreted to them the things about himself in the scripture. So he starts telling, he starts from from Moses and and begins to describe the life of the Messiah, the picture of the Messiah from Moses and from all of the prophets. It was an amalgamation. It was this picture that was was a composite of, of the Messiah, not just from one section of scripture, but from the totality of it. He interpreted to them the things about himself in all of the scriptures. He retold the story in terms of the Messiah. And as they came near to the village, verse 28, to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he was going on. Now, let me go back to 26 because apparently I I have I completely skipped that verse. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? That's what they had missed. They had missed the suffering of the Messiah. They wanted a Messiah that didn't suffer. 
And if we're honest, we want that. We want to. We want. We want the glory without the suffering. We want the good without the bad. We want. We want that because suffering is such a hard and difficult thing. It hurts. Suffering is a real aspect of life. Pain is a real aspect of life, and we have to walk through that. Uh, we, we, we don't get the good without the bad. So Jesus, as the three, back to verse 28, as the, the three came to the village to which they were going... He walked ahead as if he was going on. In other words, he pretended to go on ahead. I'm never really intending to go on ahead, just kind of pretending like 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 when you tantalize someone with something and then change the subject. No, 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 no. No, you got to stay with us. You got to we got to get back to this subject. We got to get back to this topic. We got to tell us more. He'd wet their appetite. He told them everything. And and like a good communicator, he he'd hooked them in and and now he was gonna act like he, he essentially was was going to change the subject, act like he was leaving. The the word is the idea is pretend here. And so he pretended as if he was going to go on. He didn't know them. He was, they were going to stay. He didn't really know them. You know, there, there was some, some reasoning there. In verse 29, they urged him strongly saying, no, stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. So they had stopped, um, Maybe that's where they lived. Maybe it was a stopover on a, to a, another city where they were going. We don't really know. The text doesn't tell us. But whatever they were doing, they, they wanted him to stay and just hang out with them. I'm sure they wanted him to continue on with with the retelling of the story in terms of the Messiah, hopefully to give them hope. In verse 30, something happens. Jesus went in with them, maybe even in their home, but Jesus became the host. Text says in verse 30, when he was at the table with him, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Now, this echoes back to the feeding of the, the multitudes, where Jesus broke the bread and passed it out and fed the, the thousands. It, it might also be an echo of the Lord's Supper or the Passover meal just from a, a few days earlier. But most likely it's 
it's just uh, that that strong echo back to the feeding of the multitudes. And he, he took the bread, he blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And then verse 31 says, And their eyes were opened. The scales came off. What had been hidden what had been hidden from them was now revealed to them. What what they couldn't see in the light, they now saw in the dark in the evening. They couldn't see during the day, they saw in the evening. Their eyes were open. God opened their eyes or Jesus opened their eyes and they recognized them. And almost as soon as they recognized him, the text says that he vanished from their sight. I love how N.T. Wright describes heaven. He describes heaven as uh, another dimension. And I think that's a great picture. It's not like Jesus immediately shot millions of miles into the sky. Jesus just walked through a dimensional door and was gone. That's how he could enter a room without knocking on the door, entering a room without going through the front door as he did in John. He vanished from their sight. He entered another dimension. And the text is that they said to each other, hey, were our hearts not burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures with us? In other words, he knew they knew something was going on. They knew something was happening. They they caught it. They 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 understood. They be, they began to understand this fire began to burn within them. It was lighting something within them. It was sparking something within them. And they recognized it. They wanted more of it. They wanted it all. And they recognized everything that Jesus had taught to them about on that road to Emmaus was true. And it sparked within them the the hope and the joy and the passion and the reality that Jesus was who he said he was and he did what he said he would do, just not in the way that they thought he would do it. And we're that way too, aren't we? I mean, we... We frame Jesus in a certain way. And it takes this journey with him for him to begin to show us the many facets of who he is and what he cares about. And we need a faith that is constantly being reformed in our lives through that experiential encounter with the Lord Jesus. Verse 33 says, that same hour they got up and they returned to Jesus and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together, most likely in the upper room. And they were saying, the Lord has risen indeed and he has appeared to Simon. That's the encounter with Simon. Simon Peter. Then they told what had happened on the road 
and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. Let's talk about the passage as a whole. These two disciples left Jerusalem with questions. What are we going to do? Who will redeem Israel? Is there any hope? And in the end, there was a fire burning in their heart. Saying, he is alive. And he is our hope. And there is something greater because he has overcome death. It's interesting in this passage, just a couple of additional thoughts. The women were the only ones to fully recognize Jesus was alive early on. Until Simon and Peter had that in- encounter, and then those in the upper room, the other disciples and their companions in the upper room knew that, and then in this encounter with the Cleopas and his his companion. Women were so insignificant during that day. I I think that's so fascinating that the women were the only ones to fully recognize Jesus was alive for a period of time. And then there's this journey aspect. You know, they were on a journey. They were on the journey home, probably leaving, um, leaving Jerusalem for the festivals and going home. We're all on a journey. Like I said earlier, he reveals new things for us at each turn. Even with those who don't confess him yet. And I think we need to, we need to hold tight to that. That Jesus is revealing himself to people who have not confessed him as Savior yet. He's nudging them toward himself. And in that journey, Jesus reveals the totality of who he was, not just one single aspect of it or one single facet of it. Jesus reveals his full nature, and he does that to us over time. That's why we have to have a faith that is constantly being reformed through those encounters and through those encounters with Jesus, through our time with Jesus, through the uh, understanding of him in the word and as the word. We're all on a journey. There's something about the table in the New Testament and and even in the old, but especially in the new, that's, that's where we meet God. And it's no different here. 
Hospitality and table manners are so important. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, it gives us an opportunity to meet and interact with people who may not know his story and to tell his story, to reveal his story and the story of Jesus as he has worked in our lives. The table is a place for conversation, not quiet, for interaction and not distance. They couldn't recognize him in the day, like I said, but they see him in the night. And then the last thing, that the community of faith is formed and shaped and drawn together by the story of the resurrection. Those people in the upper room all came together and celebrated because of the resurrection They would not have been together celebrating the crucifixion. They would have not been together celebrating a dead man. They would have been there at the end celebrating the resurrection. And if the resurrection can't draw us together, if we can't be formed and shaped by it, if it's not the basis of how we come together and live out our faith together, then maybe we're not living out our faith at all. Because that is the source of our hope as followers of Jesus, the resurrection. Because it actually happened. So, What do you do with that? You honor the resurrection. You can share, you can talk about the journey and the, and the the faith being reformed on that journey. You can, you can take this in a couple of different ways. And in whatever way you take it, I certainly hope you'll share it and share the story of Emmaus as you preach this third Sunday after Easter. Thanks so much for being with us. Listen, I'd love for you to um, subscribe. I would love for you to leave a review. It really does help us. I'd love to hear your comments. I'd love to share your story of Jesus with us so that we can celebrate together the resurrection and what holds our faith so tight. Be blessed. Have a great day.